Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Praise God. What a, what a great way to start our week. Amen? Great way to start our week in worship of the Father. Let me encourage you to open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to Uh, make our way through this passage this morning. Galatians chapter 5, we're continuing and returning to our fantastic study through Galatians titled Faith, Freedom, and Family. Galatians chapter 5 is where we'll be. Paul's focus in chapters 1 and 2 is faith. Paul made it clear to these believers and us that we are justified, we are saved, we have a relationship with God by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. We are not justified, we are not saved by our works. We are saved for good works, but not by good works. Paul's focus in chapters 3 and 4 is freedom. Paul reminded these believers and us that we are free from the bondage to sin and the law By faith in Jesus, as Jesus has told us, and we all know this, when the Son sets us free, we are free indeed. We are free to live for Jesus by the power of Jesus at work in us. Paul's focus in chapters 5 and 6 is family. We are family in Christ Jesus. Paul wrote in Galatians 5 and verse 13, For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. We are to do life with our family in Christ Jesus. This happens best as we walk by the Spirit, as we depend on God, as we walk in obedience to God by our surrender to God day by day. When God saved us, as I mentioned just a moment ago, when God saved us, he placed his Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit, biblically, is our helper, our paraclete, our helper. God gave us his spirit because we need his help to live his way. We cannot live God's way in our power and wisdom. The Apostle Paul told us about this in Romans chapter 7 when Paul said, the desire is with me to do what is good, but there's no ability to do it. There is a spiritual battle that rages inside of each of us for control of us between the flesh and the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul said in Galatians 5 and verse 16, I say then, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. That's why Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11, dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from the sinful desires that wage war against the soul. The flesh is against the spirit, and the spirit is against the flesh because they're opposed to one another. The flesh leads us away from God. The spirit leads us to God. So in Galatians chapter 5, Paul shared with us the list of the works of the flesh to show us what happens when we walk by the flesh, and it's not very good. It's a really, really ugly picture. But in Galatians chapter 5 as well, Paul shared with us the list of the fruit of the Spirit to show us what happens as we walk by the Spirit, what God produces in us as we walk by the Spirit, which is very, very good. And so we see this at work. We see this at work in our lives. We see this at work in our uh, relationships. And so we are to walk by the Spirit. 
Paul encouraged us in Galatians chapter 5 and verses 22 and 23 to do just this, to walk by the Spirit. He wrote in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. The fruit of the Spirit is the work of the Holy Spirit in you and in me. And so we know that we, as followers of Christ Jesus, are under new leadership in Christ Jesus. The point Paul is making for us here in Galatians chapter 5 that we're going to get to as we close out chapter 5 is we are under new leadership in Christ Jesus. We are free in Christ by our faith in Christ to live for Christ with our family in Christ. We have the Holy Spirit who lives within us and he is in control of us. He leads and we follow. We are no longer desire to walk by the flesh. We're no longer under the power and control of the flesh. We no longer live for sin, self, and the stuff of this world. We no longer want to be angry with one another, in conflict with one another. We no longer want to be jealous of one another. We no longer want to gossip about one another. We no longer want to be uncaring or unkind or unforgiving toward one another. We are free in Jesus by our faith in Jesus, and we long to live for Jesus. That means we want to bless one another. We want to care for one another. We want to comfort one another. We want to encourage one another. We want to forgive one another. We want to help one another. We want to love one another. We want to serve one another. We want to fulfill all the one another's in scripture because we are family in Jesus. We walk by the spirit. The Holy Spirit of God dwells within us and he is the one working in us both to willing to work according to his good purpose for us. And so when we walk by the spirit, we see the fruit of the Spirit that Paul shared in Galatians 5 and verses 22 and 23 displayed through our lives, and the fruit of the Spirit is able to be a blessing to us and to all of our relationships. The fruit of the Spirit is supernatural. It's from God, not us, and it's for us, in us, and through us by faith in Jesus. As Paul said, the law is not against such things. Paul told us that that God's law is not against the fruit of the Spirit. Such things is a reference to the fruit of the Spirit. God's law is not against the fruit of the Spirit because God's the one who wants, desires, and produces his fruit of the Spirit in us. Man's law is not against the fruit of the Spirit because everyone benefits from and is blessed by the fruit of the Spirit. So the law is not against such things as it relates to walking by the Spirit, which is our call as Christ followers, so that we might display the fruit of the Spirit that God is producing in us. And so Paul uses this as his lead in. We get to verse 24 and we're going to move through the end of chapter uh, 5 here in verse 24. Paul writes, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So let's look at this. We're going to take it apart. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus is an accurate description of every follower of Jesus Christ. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus 
points to, refers to those who have received God's forgiveness by the blood Jesus shed on the cross of Calvary. Those who have been saved by God's grace. Those who have placed their faith in Christ Jesus. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus include those who are free in Jesus to live for Jesus. Those who have the Holy Spirit of God living within them. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus include you and me as brothers and sisters in Christ. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus points to blessing. Points to blessing. Think with me. We were once separated from God, but now we are family with God. We belong to God by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. So now those who belong to Christ Jesus points to blessing. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus points to family. We belong to Christ Jesus and one another because we're members of God's family by faith in Jesus. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus points to leadership. We belong to Christ Jesus, therefore he leads and we follow. He is our example. He is the model we're to follow and to pattern our lives after. We're to have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. If we claim the name of Christ, we're to walk as Jesus walked. We're being transformed into the likeness of Jesus on a day-by-day basis. Those who belong to Christ Jesus also points to our purpose. We belong to Christ Jesus. Therefore, our purpose is to please, honor, and glorify Christ Jesus in all we do and say day by day. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of the Lord. And so we see now those who belong to Christ Jesus, that literally means you and me. And we just briefly mentioned all the blessings that are involved in that initial phrase of verse 24. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus, he said, have crucified the flesh. Have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires has a past and a present meaning. Has a past and a present meaning. So let's look at this. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh points to our past. And connects us with the cross of Christ. Think about it. As Christ followers, when God saved us, we died to sin and self, and we were raised to live in our new life in Christ. Paul talked about this in Galatians chapter 2, when he said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul also talked about this in Romans chapter 6. And just for a second, hold your place in Galatians 5. Turn to your left and go to Romans chapter 6 real quick. I'm going to look at a passage here in just a few seconds. But Paul talked about this in Romans chapter 6 as well. As he shared with us how sin and death entered the world through Adam's disobedience, but also how forgiveness and salvation and life is available through Christ's obedience to all who will believe in and receive Christ. And so we see this at work. And so in Galatia, or in Romans chapter 6, I'm going to begin reading in verse 3. I want you to read along with me in verse 3, beginning there. Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. When someone is baptized, it's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We, before Our life before Christ is dead and buried, and we are raised like Christ was raised. We are raised to walk in the newness of life. 
Paul said in verse 5, For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless. Say that with me. Might be rendered powerless. Now I want you to say powerless with some emphasis. Might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Since a person who died is freed from sin. Now if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's good stuff. What's Paul saying? He's saying this, just like he did in Galatians chapter 5, now in Romans chapter 6. We were united with Christ in the likeness of his death as our old self was crucified with Christ, and we have been raised with Christ in the likeness of his resurrection to walk in our new life in Christ. This happened in the past, as Al started the time off by reminding us of, to think just for a moment about when we came to faith in Christ. This is, this is the focus of having crucified the flesh. That's the past meaning. But we said there's a past and present meaning. Having crucified the flesh with its passions and desires also points to the present. As Paul said, we are to consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That means we are dead to sin, but we're not done with sin. We're not done with sin. We're dead to sin, but we're not done with sin. As Paul's been teaching us about walking by the Spirit and not the flesh, we still battle with our flesh. We still battle with temptation. We still have this flesh that we have living in us that tempts us and is drawn and prone to give in to sin. But we are dead to sin positionally in Christ Jesus from our past. We are dead to sin, but we are now alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so we know that though we still battle with sin, we don't fight as those for victory. We fight from victory because we've already won the victory by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. We are victors. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus who loves us. We are new creations in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world. We know that we have the power of the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us. That's why Paul said, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. We are those who belong to Christ Jesus. Amen? We belong to Christ Jesus, and we're victors in Christ because we have a great and almighty God, and he has granted us victory by his grace through our faith in Christ. And so we now see kind of where Paul's going. Hold your place in Romans 6, but let's go back to Galatians 5 real quick. Paul continues in verse 25. Look what he says. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And many scholars believe verse 24 speaks to our salvation. Verse 25 speaks to our sanctification. If since in view of the fact that we live by the Spirit, by our faith in Jesus, we're to keep in step with the Spirit. We can keep in step with the Spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. 
The Holy Spirit gives us the desire to surrender to God. The Holy Spirit gives us a desire to depend on God. The Holy Spirit gives us a desire to walk in obedience to God on a day-by-day basis. The Holy Spirit gives us the strength and power to surrender to God, the strength and power to depend on God, the strength and power to walk in obedience to God day by day. That's why he said, keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. As we keep in step with the Spirit, we will not carry out the desires of our flesh. As we keep in step with the Spirit, we'll display the fruit of the Spirit through our lives. As we keep in step with the Spirit, we will be able to live for Jesus by the power of the Spirit at work in us. This is exactly what Paul continued to share with us in Romans chapter 6. Look back at Romans chapter 6. We're going to pick right back up where we left off. Look what he says in verse 12. Therefore, since we're dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus, that's having crucified the flesh in the past, he said now, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness, but as those who are alive from the dead. That's you and me. But as those who are alive from the dead, let's say that out loud. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God in all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. That's good. We are an arsenal for the Lord. We are weapons for righteousness. Our words, our walk, our hands, our minds. Weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. What Paul is saying is, since we are new in Christ, we live for Christ. Since we live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Now, keeping in step with the Spirit, let's focus on on what that literally means. Keep in step literally means follow the leader. Keep in step literally means follow the leader. It means walk or march in line. Walk or march in line. So he's saying, since we live by the Spirit, by our faith in Christ Jesus, Holy Spirit lives within us, and he empowers us to live God's way. We're to keep in step with the Spirit. We are to follow our leader, God, and we're to walk and march in line with the truth of God's Word by the power of the Holy Spirit alive in us. So keeping in step with the Spirit means day by day, moment by moment, step by step, we acknowledge that we live by the Spirit, not for self. We are dead to sin, but we're alive to God in Christ Jesus, and we long to keep in step with the Spirit. We're going to walk in obedience to God and dependence on God day by day. He leads, we follow, and we are able to follow by His power of this Holy Spirit that He placed in us. This is such a beautiful blessing for you and for me. By his power at work in us. And so we understand keeping in step with the Spirit is a daily learning process. It's the process of sanctification, of spiritual maturity and spiritual growth. Just as a baby learns to walk by trial and error, by falling and getting up, by falling down and getting back up. So as Christ followers, we learn to keep in step with the Spirit. We learn to follow God. We learn to walk in obedience to God's Word. 
as we grow in our faith in God day by day. When we give in to sin, we ask God to forgive our sin, and we continue following Jesus by faith, by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. We keep in step with the Spirit together. We obey God and his word together. We live for Jesus together because we are family in Jesus. What Paul is doing is he's bringing us to the end of chapter 5. Is He's preparing us for what he's going to share with us as we get to chapter 6. And so he's reminding us of our positionality in Christ Jesus. We are dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. There's a past and a present. And, and we have some responsibility. And our responsibility is to daily yield ourselves to God, to walk by the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit. Our part in that is just simply to yield to God and acknowledge, God, you're in control. Uh, you lead, I'll follow. And we're going to take those steps by his power. And that's going to require us to say no to sin and self and, and yes to the Savior. But he'll empower us to do that. And so now as we make our way to verse 26, we see what he's sharing with us. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And now we get to verse 26. And as he finishes out chapter 5... Paul reminds these believers and us of our family responsibilities. We've got some family responsibilities. Remember, faith, freedom, and family. We're family in Christ Jesus. We've got some family responsibilities, and he's going to share these with us here as we finish chapter 5, and then he'll continue again in chapter 6. He says in verse 26, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, and envying one another. Let us not become conceited. Conceited means prideful, boastful, arrogant. It describes a person who always wants the glory for themselves. The old King James Version word is the person who's vainglorious or seeking vainglory. It's a person who's always about self. He said, let's not become conceited. Let's not become prideful, boastful, arrogant. Let, let's not seek glory for ourselves. Those who are conceited and prideful are always seeking glory for themselves. They, they want all the focus on themselves. They want to make sure everyone knows about how great they are. They want to make sure everybody's talking about them, everybody's looking at them, all eyes are on them. Paul says, let's not become conceited. Let's not become prideful. You know, pride is at the root of every single sin. Sin of pride is at the root of every single sin. I know better than God. I want what I want because I know better than what God wants. Pride puts self first. Pride's all about self. Pride does everything it can to draw attention to self. Pride is all about I and me and never about we. Pride seeks glory from others for self. Pride takes glory from others for self. Like what someone once said, pride is the only disease that makes everyone sick except the person who has it. And there's truth to that. Paul said this, don't become conceited. I think that's striking. As he's going to start talking about family responsibilities. As he's finishing chapter 5, that's just striking. Don't become conceited, prideful, arrogant, or boastful. 
Pride hurts our relationships. Pride, conceit, boasting, arrogance, it hurts our walk with God, our witness for God, our worship of God. The reason we're not to become conceited is because all we have and all we are is from God, not from us. As Jesus said, the one who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. James said, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand so that he may lift you up in his time. Solomon said, pride comes before destruction. Listen, Solomon said this, every person who has a proud heart is detestable to the Lord. Paul said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. Let's not look to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so what we find Paul doing here as he's helping us to understand our position in Christ, which leads to our practice through Christ as brothers and sisters in Christ and our family, he said this, as family in Jesus, it's real simple. Don't put yourself first. As family in Jesus, rule number one, Don't put yourself first. Kind of links up to what was said years and years ago in Exodus and the commandments. Don't put yourself first. God is first and foremost. Others are second. And then self is a distant third. Don't put self first. He said, let us not become conceited, provoking one another. Provoking one another literally means irritating one another. It means challenging one another. Pride provokes and irritates others because pride elevates self above others. Pride provokes, irritates, and challenges others because Pride elevates self above others. Pride's always talking about self. What that person knows, what that person has done, where that person's at. Pride's all about, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, talk about me, talk about me, talk about me, talk about me. Pride, conceit, sows conflict, not peace. It sows division, not unity. It sows discouragement, not encouragement. Pride sows anger and hurt and unforgiveness, not love and grace and forgiveness. So Paul said, listen, when we're talking about family responsibilities, we got to get something out, out in the open real quick, first, foremost. Don't become prideful. Don't become conceited. Provoking one another, because that just leads to provoking one another. You know, when you think about it, if you look back, you can almost without exception trace the arguments, the conflict, and the problems with others in your life. And as you trace it back, it'll always generally stem from issues of pride. Issues of pride that people are struggling with. Issues of pride that you may be struggling with, that I may be struggling with. He says, let's not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. 
So here's how this works. Obviously, Paul's seen this at work in this church because he had shared earlier in chapter 5, be careful so that you don't bite and devour one another. So there were some struggles. He says, so let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. A prideful person brags and boasts about who they are and all they have. A prideful person's bragging and boasting provokes those around them, provokes them, irritates them, which then at times will cause them to stumble and and respond in ways that aren't pleasing to God. But listen, a prideful person's, person's boasting and bragging also at times will cause some to give in to the sin of envy. Envy is a sin that combines the sins of selfishness, pride, and discontentment. Envy is a sin that says, I want what that person has, but also I don't want that person to have what they have. And so Paul's sharing with these believers, let's not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Because obviously there were some struggles going on in the relationships within these churches that he was writing to. Conceit, pride, provoking one another, envying one another is out of place in God's family. It leads us away from Jesus, not to Jesus. It leads those we're trying to minister to away from Jesus, not to Jesus. The truth of the matter is God has shared it in his word with us. The only thing that you and I can boast in is that we know the Lord. The only thing we can boast in The only thing that I can boast in is that I know the Lord God Almighty. And that only by His grace. At work in my life that moved in such a way that He drew me to Himself. As the psalmist said, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. I love what Paul said. I planted a seed, Apollos watered the seed, but God gave the growth. Therefore, neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything, but only God. Only God who gives the growth. The application for you and for me this morning is real simple. Keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Surrender to the Lord on a day-by-day basis. Humbly obey God and depend on Him. As we follow God, as we walk and march in line with the Word of God, we are blessed by God in amazing ways. And we're able to do that as we keep in step with the Spirit. God gave us his spirit so we can live his way. God gave us his word so that we can learn to live his way. God placed us in his family so that we have brothers and sisters in Christ so that we can live his way together and that we're not called to walk alone, but we have our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus around us. And so God's calling us once again today to keep in step with the spirit. Since we live by the spirit, let's keep in step with the spirit. As we keep in step with the Spirit, we get a front row seat. I mean, a front row seat to watch God 
do his work in us, through us, for us, and around us on a day-by-day basis. As we keep in step with the Spirit, we will say, to God be the glory, great things he has done. As we keep in step with the Spirit, we will say, to God be the glory, great things he is doing. As we keep in step with the Spirit, we will be able to say, to God be the glory, for the great things he is yet to do. We have blessings, joys, and privileges far too many to count as family in Christ Jesus, as brothers and sisters in Christ. But what Paul is wanting us to understand this morning once again, as we look to the rest of the day, to our time with our our life teams as we look to this week, what he's also wanting us to understand is we have responsibilities. We have responsibilities as brothers and sisters in Christ. And it begins with keeping in step with the Spirit so that we might be able to bless one another and comfort one another, care for one another, love one another, encourage one another, forgive one another, minister to one another, serve one another. All those one another's happen as we keep in step with the Spirit. And as we keep in step with the Spirit, God blesses us and He uses us to be a blessing to one another and to all those he places around us. So let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team's gonna come and lead in this time. And I, and I wanna just encourage you to respond to the Lord. And, and we, the Lord led us in, a, in an unusual way this morning. We actually had an invitation at the beginning of the sermon. And, and so now we come to the response time. And I think it's appropriate because what the Lord wants is for us now to act on our family responsibilities. As brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, I want to encourage you to, in just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to worship God. We're going to sing his praises. We're going to declare once again how great he is. And we've already declared that. We've already seen it in his word. We're going to declare it again in just a moment. But we also can declare how great God is as we walk in obedience to his word. So in just a moment, we're going to stand. And and I'm going to encourage you to express your family responsibilities. Man, go to a brother or sister in Christ, bless them in Jesus' name. Go to a brother or sister in Christ, encourage them. Go to a brother or sister in Christ and tell them I appreciate you. Go to one and say, I, I want you to know you're a blessing. Go to a brother or sister in Christ and say, I just want you to know that I love you, brother. I love you, sister. Maybe this is something you need to do as a husband and wife. Come to the altar and just rejoice in the Lord together. Bless one another. It could be families. It could be husbands and wives. It can be brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ. This is where it happens in the family. We're together in the family and now it's our opportunity to express our love for one another. It's our opportunity to to keep in step with the Spirit, quite honestly, and to demonstrate our family responsibilities to one another. Listen, our pastors will be standing here at the front. If you want them to pray for you, pray over you, they would love to do that. They would love to minister to you in that way. But again, as we shared at the very beginning, if you place your faith and trust in Christ Jesus, at the very start, then I want to encourage you to come to one of these pastors and I want you to tell them, I just want you to say, I want you to know I place my faith in Jesus Christ and I want to be encouraged in my walk with Christ. I want to learn more about baptism or I place my faith in Christ this morning and I want to be baptized and I'd like to be baptized now because I understand what the word says and I am new in Christ and there's no need to wait. There's no need to linger. I want to be obedient because obedience is always now, always. 
and we'll take care of it. We'll get you back there and uh, you'll be able to walk in obedience to the Word of God and be blessed and be a blessing to those around you. Listen, if you've already placed your faith in Christ, but you've never been baptized by immersion, and you're with testimony, we will, Mark, I, I have, I've already trusted Christ years ago, but I've, I really have never followed up by baptism with immersion. Hey, the water's warm for you too. You can come forward and say, I'm ready to be baptized. That's okay. If you've never been baptized, there's no need to be rebaptized over and over and over and over again. But when that change in life comes, and when we belong to Christ Jesus, when God saves us and we belong to him, then that baptism is to, to happen after that. It's an act of identification with Christ. As he went to the cross, was buried in the tomb and rose again, so we, through baptism, identify with Christ in the likeness of his death, burial, and our resurrection, our new life in Christ Jesus. God is working. Let's respond. Let's move. Let's respond. Let's, let's keep in step with the Spirit with one another. Let's follow the Lord as he leads. Let's stand and worship the Lord together.